Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Star Sound Speaks. This is your host, Irliana Samsara. As promised, this is episode or um, part three of our eclipse season. So the, the May, June 20, 2021 eclipses. And this is episode 108. So welcome, welcome. So um, if you haven't already, you might want to check and um, watch the first two. I, I broke this down because there's there's a lot to an eclipse always, but especially this one. Um, so this is part three. And I'm, the what we're going to talk about in this particular episode is the solar eclipse, which happens tomorrow um, and at 6.53 AM Eastern Standard Time. And it's a solar eclipse in Gemini. So um, yeah, so it's got, I'm going to talk about what exactly it looks like and why it's so auspicious, super auspicious and important. And, and a rare solar eclipses or <clears throat> eclipses period are the most important event in astrology. And a solar eclipse is ex especially loud because it's solar, right? It's our external, it's the sun that gets blocked by the moon. So that always, uh, pretends um, very uh, nonlinear change uh, can have a very, eclipses have a kind of wild card aspect to them. Uh, so, but this one, I'm gonna explain exactly the, with the planetary placements, why this one is even more auspicious. And um, and so we'll, we'll go through that. I'll walk you through that. I'll also talk about the parent eclipse uh, and what, what that is and you know, a little bit about how eclipses work, as well as um, in the collective, you know, where we are finding what kind of changes we can expect in different areas of society. And I'll go into the, um, I'll, I'll walk through the, the houses, all, all 12 houses of the zodiac, so you can see where this eclipse is occurring in your chart if you are um, by your sun and rising sign. So you'll have a, a, a sense of that. And then um, we'll finish that up with um, the Mars activation date. So like when this eclipse is really going to bear fruit. It's, you know, think of it as like a seed planted, a wild card seed planted, and then it gets nourished by <clears throat> certain planetary happenings. So uh, that's what we got for today. Okay, so let's, let's get started. Okay, so... Um, the first thing I want to say is uh, that this is a, as a solar eclipse at 19 degrees Gemini. So this is a north node solar eclipse. So the north node, uh, we just had the lunar eclipse, south node lunar eclipse in Sagittarius. And the north node, by contrast, is about embracing where, where we are being um, moved to evolve the collective. So when the nodes, the nodes shifted into Gemini and Sag a little over a year ago, last May of 2020. And they typically stay for about a year and a half in a pair of signs. And then they move backwards through the zodiac, the nodes move backwards. So uh, starting in November, we'll start shifting into the Taurus Scorpio axis. So I'll of course be talking about that um, and another another point, but um, they slowly move through the zodiac. So it takes 18.6 years for an eclipse to return to that example right now, Gemini and Sag. So the last time we had this uh, was in 2000 with Gemini North Node Eclipse, Sagittarius South Node was in 2002, 2003. And then before that was about 1984. 
and before that was, uh, you know, we, we, you know, just keep going back in time in 19, um, you know, so 1984 and then 1965, 1946, oh, sorry, 49. So you, um, you go back in time like that. So um, what I really, um, what's really fascinating here with, um, with all of the eclipse, uh, <laughs> the, what this eclipse can provide us, you know, we, we want to look at that. So obviously with a North Node eclipse in Gemini, this is about embracing uh, change and moving and embracing, whereas the South Node is about a letting go or a decay or an aging or a falling away of energies. And so this is a, so what, when we let go of the, the way things, you know, a, a stiff dogmatic belief and, and uh, the um, powers that be holding sway over like one narrative, you know, uh, our morality or such, or the courts or legal matters, this is all Sagittarius stuff. What happens when that gets, when old, ways and of being fall away that were very fixed. Well, we have the um, the North Node in Gemini is what where we are being asked to go. The universe is saying evolve in the direction of changing one's story, um, opening ourselves up to diverse ideas, diversity, uh, being fluid. When you think about Mercury, Mercury is Quicksilver, right? And you know, all those chemists out there, uh, so what is that? It's fluid, doesn't have a shape. So it takes on the shape of whatever environment it's in, right? So this is, this, these eclipses, the, the North Node eclipses are saying, get off your high horse and change. <laughs> it's very easy. Uh, you know, give up your stories about how it has to look or be and embrace change and, you know, and really experiment and be out there, like get your hands dirty, you know, and really, really engage in new ideas, new thinking, new attitudes, um, new information, let in new facts and data, maybe data that you didn't know before or weren't open to. Uh, so, <clears throat> especially with Sagittarius, uh, the South Node eclipses, you know, it's South Sagittarius rules organized religion and spirituality. So this these eclipse cycles are definitely have people calling up, maybe changing where, what they believe in and maybe their religion or spiritual path or no path. You know, it's, it's just a matter of, it's about belief systems and where they are getting a very um, nonlinear um, interruption, right? We interrupt this programming to bring you a solar eclipse. And as my wonderful mentor, Renee, uh, told me many, many years ago, uh, she was a brilliant writer. And uh, she used to say that eclipses bring forth magical, nonlinear, magical, incongruous, nonlinear change. So I just love that. And uh, so I'm just gonna say it again. Eclipses bring forth magical, incongruous, nonlinear change. So there's that wild card act, um, aspect, you know, it's non, it's non-linear. Now it's interesting because Mercury is always about linear, right? Rational thinking and facts. But um, the, the funny thing here, the cosmic joke here is that an eclipse regarding all of our rational, you know, minds, it's, it's getting stirred up. Why is this one really uh, very much auspicious in this manner? Well, we're going to be talking about that. Uh, <clears throat> I can 
telling you right now, um, if you give me a nickel. Anyway, uh, let's see. So why is this? Well, Mercury, we whatever this is, it causes in 19 degrees of Gemini. Gemini is ruled by Mercury. Uh, Mercury rules both Gemini and Virgo. And um, Mercury is that planet of communication and ideas. And Mercury is the is the the one who moves quickly, busy, busyness and all. So um, the the fact that Mercury is the, what you call the Lord of the eclipse, right? The ruler of this eclipse is Mercury. And um, Mercury's, look at Mercury's condition. Very interesting. For this eclipse, Mercury is not only retrograde, which means it's an apparent motion is moving backwards in the sky, but it's also Kazemi. So the, that term Kazemi means that it is aligned with the sun, close to the sun. And um, why is that important? Well, um, the, it's very important because um, it's in, when a planet is Kazemi, um, we call it like being in the throne room, or I like to say the throne room of the king. If you think of the sun as like the solar figure, this bright, blinding light and coming into that throne room is pretty amazing. If you had a private audience with the king, you would very much, as you approach that room and the light was flooding you, you know, you, you lose your identity, right? You're overcome by that energy, that, that big aura, right? Um, but um, under the beams, as we say in ancient astrology, under the beams of the sun, losing its identity, not an easy place of, not very fortuitous for a planet when it's under the beams. However, when it gets right to within a degree of, of, and there's differing points of view about exactly degrees and minutes, but figure around one degree, um, that is, I believe that is where, let me look up this thing real quick, um, pull up my eclipse chart. Uh, yeah, the sun is at 19 degrees, Mercury is at 20. So that point, that Kazemi is really, um, it's, uh, quite important because Mercury becomes empowered with um, it being, when you think about it, if you, if you, um, I, I think of like Moses on Mount Sinai, you know, he's standing right there and this big shaft of light comes down and, you know, he's getting the Ten Commandments, right? Big download. So this is definitely an opportunity for a cosmic download like no other. Um, with Mercury being the Lord of the Eclipse, happens to be retrograde, which means he's moving or it, it is moving in the same direction as the sun, primary motion. So it's more about, less about the busy 3D world and more about a cosmic, uh, you know, you could say even telepathic communication, very, very deeply um, profound with insights, maybe even prophetic. So more of the divine qualities of, of communication and certainly being, and then on top of that, you know, being Kazemi with this, with, which means, right, I'm in the throne room of the sun, uh, he is definitely getting a cosmic download. So I would, I would imagine that um, people who may be disillusioned with their beliefs or demoralized by, by any kind of beliefs they've had about whatever, especially uh, their the spirituality and such, and Sagittarius uh, also rules the um, the courts and such. So it might be that uh, between the letting go of old 
dogmatic religious beliefs and embracing new and alternative ones and, and or being at least curious to explore new ideas. This has definitely been the theme for the last year with these gem Sag eclipses. But the fact that this particular eclipse has these qualities of Kazemi and Mer Mercury, Lord of the Eclipse, retrograde. I just thought, isn't that interesting? The Lord is retrograde. It's like, you think, like I grew up in, you know, into Catholic schools, like, what if Jesus took a vacation? Jesus kicked back and went, okay, let me, let me rethink this. You know, it's, it's like, really, it's really big. And one of the previous eclipse cycles in the 60s was um, out of out of this um, this eclipse cycle was the um, speaking of Catholic right the Second Vatican Council. So again, a lot of reform um, and a rethinking of religion and and uh, how things are shared. Right, it went from Latin to English. I remember talking about that in the previous. So go back to that previous uh, episode, and you could. You could hear about that. I think it was an episode, the first part one of these this eclipse series. Anyway, um, but that is very, very important to look at that condition of Mercury. And um, the reason why, uh, typically, if a planet is Kazemi with the sun, it's, um, yeah, it's, in this case, because Mercury is in its home sign of Gemini, he's, we, we, we say that Mercury's in its chariot. It's beautiful, very poetic language that the uh, the ancients used. Well, Mercury in his chariot, it's like he's got a special protection. So it's not going to bang him up the way it would if it were another planet being burned up by the sun, right? So he's got some protection. So it's a real empowerment for our thoughts and beliefs and attitudes, our writing, communications, our relations with people in our immediate environment, our environment itself. These are all the areas that are undergoing a, um, a, a paradigm shift with these eclipses in these signs. So um, uh, the other thing I want to say is uh, Jupiter is in a, um, a superior square to Gemini, which of course is the Lord of the South Node. Um, so I, you know, I could see some conflict or some maybe some, I could say even heavy handedness around this push to, to create and disseminate information that's new and different um, and more inclusive. Um, there's another uh, very interesting, um, but yet on the other hand, um, Jupiter could be very much supporting and wanting us to engage, like disengage the rational mind and really engage the intuitive mind, the prophetic mind, uh, intuition and the intuitive faculties. You know, like the tell up the third eye, as they as the the esoteric traditions talk about the third eye in in the brain and the center of you know the Ajna chakra in yoga. So uh, there's a lot of very very deep mystical aspect to this. But the um, you know very interestingly too, um, this is also backed up with the parent eclipse. So the parent eclipse is when I say that it means. Uh, eclipses run in cycles and they go for around, um, sorry, not cycles, they run in, there's families of eclipses and the parent eclipse for this particular one, which is Saros, one, Saros, they're called Saros cycles, S-A-R-O-S, and it's an ancient, going back to the ancient Greeks, so these cycles are, um, they occur through, it takes about 1300 years for an eclipse cycle to complete, 
And it's a very deep, amazing, interesting, um, the patterns that you see that, that go from minutes and days to thousands of years. Nature extends out fractally, you know, and it's, it's pretty uh, amazing when you think about this. But the reason I was bringing this up is because the Saros cycle, this is Saros 147, okay? And um, Bernadette Brady, which who's, I mentioned in a previous uh, podcast, great, uh, great his, uh, historian, astrologer, researcher, real master astrologer. And she's written a, a great book, which I think maybe every astrologer knows about, predictive astrology. It's called The Eagle and the Lark. There it is. And uh, it's a really wonderful book. And at the end of the book, she has a whole chapter on eclipses and she delineates each parent eclipse from each sorrow series. And there's something like 80 different eclipses, eclipse families. Um, and um, they're always, eclipses are always basically working their way from the North Pole to the South Pole and the South Pole to the North Pole over the 18.6 years. So you can think of it as like a giant, you know, moon cycle <laughs> where you, it, it rises to a peak and then declines and then the south node rises declines right so it's the every they're always moving up and down and up and down well we don't know that because we're not around for 1500 2000 years right so anyway she um gave it i'm going to read this uh, little blurb that she wrote about delineating this particular eclipse family so it started in October, uh, October 12th and 6th, the year 1624. And um, the new moon is conjunct Neptune in that parent eclipse and Mars was on the midpoint between Mercury and Uranus. So think about Mercury, the thinking mind and Uranus, the futuristic ET kind of mind, right? The Mercury, Uranus midpoint. So, um, she said that this is a, and I quote, a very unusual Saros series involving sudden flashes of ideas that seem to have a psychic or unconscious flavor to them. Hunches, visions, prophetic dreams are the essence of this family of eclipses. A truly creative series which should leave the individual enriched. The ideas or hunches which come from this eclipse can be acted upon. And then the years in the last hundred or so years that this eclipse cycle happened was the year uh, uh, going back, let's see, 2003, well, I'm going back in time, 1985, 1967, 1949, 1931, 1913. So we, when you think about, okay, look back in your life, what was going on in uh, those years? What do you recall was happening in your life? Because those themes are going to be revisited again. Perhaps what you began in, that pre, in, a, in a previous eclipse cycle is wrapping up and a new cycle is beginning. Um, I couldn't help but notice in 2002, 2003, uh, we had, after 9-11, we had, uh, of course, we started um, the whole military involvement in Afghanistan, the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq, started in that eclipse cycle. 
And now, of course, um, we are pulling out of Afghanistan. And then I think by September 11th, um, all every American troop will be withdrawn from Afghanistan. So see, there it is. There's a, an entire cycle. And also Sagittarius Jupiter rules the military. So you can see this, um, this uh, that's just one of many, many examples of how things can complete in an 18.6 year uh, cycle, the cipher completes. Uh, something that might be completed and something new and major endings, major beginnings, always the hallmark of an eclipse. Okay, so um, there's that. This eclipse is gonna be three minutes and 51 seconds. And um, that is, so for every minute an eclipse is active, it's, it'll affect us for that many years. So that's almost four years that that eclipse resonance will, will move out. Mostly that when you have, like we have it until this coming January will be our final Gemini Sag eclipse cycle, you know, until the next time. Um, typically, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. Depends different schools of thought here, um, but if since this can resonate for four years, we're obviously way way out of the Gemini Sag. You know, it only lasts for a year and a half. The nodes, so it could be. But you could still see resonances of this. You know, years later. Now, clearly, every month the moon passes. Um, every degree, degree of the zodiac, right? Once a month. So you might want to pay attention next month when the moon reaches 19 degrees of Gemini, which was the eclipse, because we'll get like a, a little whiff of the eclipse uh, themes, but just a whiff, right? Because it's, it'll pass every degree, you know, it's only a matter of hours that we would get that whiff. However, we look at when Mars, um, when Mars is going to um, activate that eclipse point, because Mars is the planet of action, and that you'll see more clearly, and it doesn't take forever. Sometimes it takes a couple of years if it goes retrograde. This year, Mars is not retrograde, so we'll be seeing this. I uh, might as well talk about it now. I was going to talk about it later, but hey, whatever. We're on the subject. Um, Mars is going to be, let me see where did I put that activation thing? Oh, where did I put that? What? Mercury stole it? The little, the little thief. That little thief. Where did it go? Oh wait, hold on. Let me go find that thing. Okay, uh, I found it. Um, here we go. Yeah, Mars activation. Okay, Mars is going to, I'll say, bring about um, action, bring forward movement with the themes in of this eclipse starting in uh, January 10th of next year. So about six months from now, seven months. It'll, uh, Mars will be in Gemini oppose, I'm sorry, not Gemini, Mars will be in Sagittarius. So it'll be opposing this eclipse point. So it'll really maybe create, there's some kind of conflict or tension that demands action be taken. Um, and then in, um, in September of next year, so it's a little over a year from now, uh, Mars will be in at 19 Gemini around September 27th to 29th of 2022. And then again, uh, Mars will retrograde, so it'll go back on that point of November 28th, 2022. 
So uh, <clears throat> these are very important dates that you might want to look at because whatever's going on in your life, uh, there'll be breakthroughs, breakdown breakthroughs, uh, things that become available when Mars hits that point. I will also mention, because it is so important, uh, that December solar eclipse, to just jump over to that one for a moment, the one that happened last December, December 19th, um, the solar eclipse was at 23 degrees of Sagittarius. And I bring it up because 26 degrees of Sag is the galactic center of the Milky Way, which is sometimes called like the whistleblower point. It has to do with great revelations, uh, truth. You know, we think about cosmic truth. And um, the Mars is going to conjunct that eclipse point in the middle of January of next year. So January 14th, 15th, and sometimes you see it several days ahead. Uh, but just again, put that on your calendar. Um, you'll see things opening up, uh, perhaps truth coming out of a cosmic nature, or just it could be investigative journalism. It could be the justice system. It could be uh, you know, legal matters, lawyers, the law profession, maybe there's paradigm shifts in law. If you're a lawyer, you definitely want to uh, take, take a note of that. Uh, so, and certainly religion, morality, uh, all of the things that Sag rules. So I'm bringing that up because Gemini and Sagittarius being on the polar opposites, we look at both sides in an eclipse. It's that dance between the two sides that is um, you know, the most important thing to, to um, examine. Um, so uh, let's see. Interesting about where, um, oh, okay, where this eclipse is occurring. So we know it's about four, almost four minutes in length, the peak duration. And it's going to be seen in the north part partial, not a, you won't see the full, solar eclipse in the Northeast United States, but Boston, some of it will be seen maybe 60% in Washington, DC. Um, but we do have, um, let's see, I'll pull that up really quick. Um, we've got um, New York, it'll be around maybe 80%. In Boston, New York and Boston, um, Albany, you know, New York, Philadelphia, that area there that you're going to be seeing most of it, but the fullness won't be, it, it'll be around 80% in um, around Toronto, Ottawa. So Quebec and Ontario will, Eastern Canada and points East like New Brunswick and such will be seeing more of the eclipse, but um, it'll pass over the North Pole. So it'll, it'll hit the cross uh, the tip of Greenland, the, the fullness of that. So the tip of Greenland and the North Pole. Well, I bring that up because, um, you know, it's, it's understood that wherever an eclipse, whatever part of the world an eclipse touches, that area will be highlighted. So um, it going over a particular country, the affairs of that country will be brought to the fore. Well, the fact that this one's going over the North Pole um, it, it gives us pause because, of course, that's been in the news a lot with global warming and the ice sheet melting. And only seven days ago, another, well, they, very interesting, there was information came out around um, the polar ice sheet in the north of Greenland, and I will read you this. Um, there's a, a um, oh, gosh, believe it or not, shocking levels of mercury were found leaking from Greenland's ice sheet. 
and it was only a few days ago. So this news and information came out in the middle of the eclipse cycle. So there's a revealment, right? We didn't know. Interesting, right? What a cosmic occurrence. It's Mercury they're talking about. So Greenland's ice sheet um, has been melting. We've, we've heard through the years, there's chunks the size of Manhattan. One of them was the size of, I don't know what, Rhode Island, Manhattan, these really big chunks of land that have been falling off because of global warming. Um, but anyway, this um, study was just published in a um, professional journal and he said that the Greenland ice sheet could be a source of mercury, um, which is a very, of course, that's highly toxic that can be deadly to humans. They found, quote, extremely high mercury yields. Um, and so it's a very complex reality in the Arctic, but it's made even more complex with the um, discovery of this mercury situation. And because um, it's already rising sea levels, uh, the permafrost and um, higher rates of global warming. So um, they don't know exactly how and why that is there. It's very still being worked out, but certainly um, very shocking news, right? Uh, coming out around Mercury in the Green and Greenland. But um, I would think that with, again, Mercury being Quicksilver, right? It's all about dissolution. So the Greenland ice sheet dissolving, uh, and, and then again, that square with Neptune, which oh, I haven't even talked to you about, but Mercury in this eclipse is squaring Neptune. Well, Neptune, hello, Neptune in Pisces in its home sign, water sign, news about water and the dissolution of ice, right? In, in becoming uh, part of the oceans. And so this, uh, you know, does not uh, bode very well. Uh, it's definitely a challenge, uh, but, um, Anyway, that's interesting that that came up during this eclipse, um, during this eclipse season. So we, I would think that um, Iceland, Greenland and uh, the North Pole and the Arctic sheets melting would be definitely uh, one of the main uh, areas of uh, concern and interest for this eclipse cycle, given that this is, you know, all going on at this time. So uh, let's see. Um, we might even get some in information like Bernard Brady was saying that this is uh, sudden flashes of ideas. So maybe there's a solution. Maybe the solution is coming from a place that was previously unknown to us. Maybe we could get some cosmic download about how to deal with this or, or any other event or thing that comes up for us with this eclipse cycle. That's one of the things that Mercury and uh, Neptune square can do. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about that and then we can go through the zodiac. Okay, so, um, you know, this Mercury squaring Neptune, of course, you know, sometimes your mind goes to the worst, right? Oh my God, the news is being, we're not getting the full story or we're getting deception, right? Because if you look at the shadow part of Mercury and Neptune, well, Mercury can rules thieves and um, con artists and thievery and deceit and stealing. And um, Neptune <clears throat> can be fraud and dis. <clears throat> excuse me. Let me get a sip of water. Neptune um, rules fraud and deceit. Um, you know, criminal activity. You know, you know it's a, a hidden, secretive 
pursuits. So you put them together and maybe there's a con job going on, but it's so covered up, right? With the, with the Mercury, Neptune in an overcoming square, the energy of Neptune, <clears throat> it's like throwing a fog over uh, some illicit activity or maybe effects that are being uh, uh, confused or clouded over, right? Mercury with his data, data collecting, it's like there's some secretive thing about that. Um, when I think about the, um, Neptune rules the pharmaceutical industry. So maybe with, and Mercury rules the lungs in medical astrology. So maybe there is some information around COVID and vaccines and pharmaceutical or anything pharmaceutical, side effects perhaps of a drug. You know, the, these are things that, may, that were not known before that are now coming out into the news, right? Mercury, the information collecting, the news media. So we could be seeing something coming to light that we were not aware of, or maybe the, the drive to make something aware gets interfered with. There's confusion, there's deception, but maybe it's like, well, I don't know what's true. It's hard to figure it out, right? When you have a, a Neptune transit like that, the facts can be very fogged over, so to speak. So there's just one area there that um, I think is very, very ripe, very, high probability that you, we would be hearing other um, points of view that might have been clouded or the attempt to bring another point of view gets clouded over. So uh, either or or both, right? So these are, these are possible ways in which that can play out. Oh, let's see what else we got. Oh, here's another place where um, and this the education system, right, with Mercury ruling lower education, like elementary school up through high school. So again, uh, obviously with COVID, we've seen a huge drastic rehaul of um, how kids learn, you know, being having to be at home quarantined. Now that they're coming back in, what is that going to look like? You know, like the face of schooling has changed. A lot of kids and parents have decided to, that they don't want to bring their kids back to school for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, COVID or unhealthiness, or maybe they are better off staying at home, distance learning, the internet and Zoom, of course, became part of everybody's language in the last year, year and a half. Um, so again, we could we are seeing major policy changes with education, higher education too, universities, uh, and uh, academia, uh, college debt. I mean, goodness gracious, right? Wait till the eclipse is happening, um, South Moon and Scorpio. Oof, we don't even want to go there. Um, but um, the law, the justice, uh, the courts and justice, the law profession, um, criminal justice, especially, you know, think about the, you know, Phoebe Mercury, uh, criminal justice being reformed for sure, or the courts in general. Um, merchants, you know, mer Mercury rules merchants and mercantilism and commerce, you know, buying and selling like the busy marketplace. So retailing, definitely getting an overhaul. Um, writing, publishing, things of that nature. Um, sadly, um, we had um, the that news the other day about the uh, school in British Columbia that was founded, the uh, Native American children had gone and there was 
thousands of um, bones from thousands of children that died there mysteriously. And no, you know, for decades, the native tribes in Canada have been uh, trying to call this to everyone's attention and they had been ignored. And now they, they found this huge you know, mass grave. So obviously a huge um, Trudeau wants the apology from the Vatican and, and all of this. So uh, again, watching what happens in an eclipse season, right? Things that have been covered up get revealed. Education, youth, youth trafficking. You know, this is another area that uh, the eclipse is, is touching upon. Uh, time for that to be revealed and time for closure um, and, and people brought to justice. Very, very clear to, to see that. Um, let's see, oh, Bitcoin, interestingly enough, Bitcoin um, with mercury ruling currency. Uh, today there was a, um, a conference, uh, This uh, the CEO of this company that develops the digital wallet for Bitcoin, um, he said that he called it the shot heard around the world that Bitcoin was now accepted as legal tender in El Salvador. So that's a big breakthrough. And I think more countries would follow suit, whether it's Bitcoin or another, um, alternative cryptocurrency, but big breakthrough with cryptocurrency. And Gemini also rules electronics and the internet. So there you go, right? Cryptocurrency. Um, but the, it's interesting when he said there was the shot heard around the world because it just so happens that Pluto is at 26 degrees of Capricorn, which is the same degree it was at in 1775 when the Battle of Lexington and Concord started which was the beginning of the American Revolutionary War with the British, right? So the Americans walking out on the British saying, we're done, right? And we're, we're now it's time for a new system. So here's Bitcoin, all right, time for a new system. But speaking of the British, let us, <laughs> moving right along, right? I just thought it was really funny. And there's a little more humor here, okay? Because this has been heavy. This has not been an easy conversation, right? Well, on a light note, of course, little Lily Diana has arrived on planet Earth, right? Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's little girl, finally here. Hello, Lily, named after her grandmother, Lilibet. Lilibet Diana, named after her grandmother and great, her great-grandmother, the queen, and her grand and her grandmother or would-be grandmother, Princess Diana. Weird to say that, right? Princess Diana being a grandmother. She, she's always going to be young in our hearts. Um, but anyway, so here's Lily Diana comes along just a few days before. I don't know if you heard this, but Queen Elizabeth has been canceled. <laughs> there are these students at Oxford, at Maudlin College in Oxford, they removed her portrait from the common room and they said, you know, this represents colonialism. And remember what I said about David Rose of Schitt's Creek, right? This, right, the previous podcast episode, this doesn't work. This <laughs> has got to go. And so they took her picture down and they're saying, uh, we, you know, we got our picture in other parts of the, of the campus. It's just that this is a common room and we want everybody to feel, uh, safe and you know we, we they've got students of naturally from all over the world and some of them are from third world countries and former colonies of britain so they they took her picture down <laughs> i just thought that was so interesting because here we are oh by the way it was an american 
American student at Maudlin College in Oxford that um, was behind this. So there it is, the Americans dealing with the British, right? You're done, you're out, you know, and here we are 200 and something years later, boom, you're done. And then little Lily Diana, she arrives in Santa Barbara, California. So she hears this Brit, expat Brit, right? You know, oh, okay. You know, parents, one parent born there, but now we're afoot a in the new world and we are free of the old, crusty old monarchy. So the queen got canceled, Lily Diana arrives. Who doesn't? <laughs> we got a very interesting eclipse season here and looking at the cosmic symbolism of it all. All right, so, um, and, and I have to say one other, and this is very interesting, uh, inter another, a, a more um, engaging article than that really downer story about the shocking levels of Mercury. Let us look at another aspect of Mercury. UFOs. Okay, I've talked about that before, um, but today, um, they, what has just been discovered um, I don't know if you heard it in the news, this telescope in British Columbia, Canada, uh, has detected hundreds of mysterious radio bursts from faraway galaxies. So they have no idea where they're coming from or why, but they're getting all these hundreds and hundreds of radio bursts. They're unexplained. Well, of course, it's unexplained. Um, and they're looking beyond the galaxy for answers, but there were more than 500 um, observed by scientists uh, using a very special antenna that's in the Okanagan Valley of British Columbia. And um, fascinating, um, they're, they, they are thought to travel to Earth from hundreds of millions of light years away. Uh, they don't understand completely the phenomenon, but again, um, there it is, you know, what, what might be driving this? Uh, who is, you know, what's behind all that? It's definitely looking at that. But one of them, one of the people quoted in this article was a Harvard scientist by the name of Avi Loeb. And he said uh, he wasn't involved in the study, but he speculated last year that maybe aliens could be behind the free, these high bursts of radio waves. Um, so who knows? He said it was a long shot. He wrote this last June in Scientific American that it, it could be a long shot, but maybe some of these energy blasts are coming from ET places, ET civilizations. Well, if you remember the last um, eclipse we had in the November-December eclipse cycle last year, what happened? Remember that big silver monolith that appeared in the desert? That was during a Mercury, a, a, a Gemini, it was the Gemini um, lunar eclipse between that and the solar eclipse and Sag, what happened, that mysterious monolith? And it appeared in different places around the world, but it also disappeared. Uh, I had to chuckle because the one, it was only for a few days, the silver monolith in this very remote part of somewhere in the American West, I don't remember where, but it was Red Rock country. And then it disappeared. And somebody said they were hiking and they saw these men in the middle of the night dressed in black, just walked over and, 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 and disengaged it and, and left and cut it up into pieces and took off with it in the middle of the night. And I thought, oh my God, isn't that Mercury, right? Men dressed in like, like, like thieves, like cat burglars, all black, all putting on turtlenecks. <laughs> and here it was. Uh, so, um, there it again, you know, here comes that Mercury archetype. I just had to crack up. So, all right, we didn't have the silver monolith come back, but we have these 
fast bursting radio waves or F FRBs, I think is what they call them. So it's never a dull moment with the gem Sag eclipses. But I will say in closing, there is one more thing I have to say that's absolutely fascinating. The chart of Roswell, New Mexico has a Pluto, it, it, the, um, what is it conjunct Pluto? Was it the, uh, oh, I have to go look for it. Hold on a minute, a second. I gotta look at that exact, um, Oh, was it the, the eclipse was conjunct the Pluto in the Roswell chart, the chart of Roswell, New Mexico. So very fascinating, right? Again, there's another nod to, to the ETs. So I leave you with that because it's all unknown. Oh, and of course, wouldn't you know that the US government, you know, they're supposed to come out with that report about UFOs. It was leaked a few days early in the New York Times. They reported that and they said, well, we don't, I don't know, there's these things that are unknown. We don't know, we still don't know. It didn't tell us anything. Of course it wasn't gonna tell us anything. It, when you have a major report released in an eclipse cycle, it's not gonna tell you, <laughs> hello. We knew that wasn't gonna go anywhere. But who knows, maybe in next January, right? Look around the early to mid-January, we might have some breakthroughs there. Maybe people will be you know, pissed off and they said, you know, come on throw us some more fish, give us something real here. Anyway, so I think that's, oh, one more thing. That's for all, that's it for the facts. And now we will just wrap up this little chat with the walk through the zodiac. Okay, here we go. Uh, where is this gonna appear in your chart? If you are a Gemini, and especially if you have planets between uh, 16 to 22 degrees of Gemini, Pisces, Virgo, or Sag, you're definitely gonna feel this eclipse. This eclipse will be either conjunct, opposing or squaring your sun or rising or whatever planets you have at that point. So that would make it really uh, pretty prominent. If any of those planets are on in angular houses, like the north, south, east, west parts of your chart right there, um, those planets, uh, those houses, the first, fourth, seventh, and tenth house, those are very, um, those are like microphones, right? They have them, they, uh, the planets speak loudly in the angular houses. So again, uh, very life-changing, right? Angular is all about turning, the turning point. So making things happen, moving things forward. That would again be another indicator. But I'm just going to walk you quickly through the, um, either sun, you can hear and listen to this for either or both your sun and rising sign as to where this eclipse is going to occur. And so what areas of your life would be uh, coming into a paradigm shift. Okay, um, so for you guys that are Aries or Aries rising, this is gonna be in your third house, which rules your mind, um, your environment, your neighbors, uh, could be cousins, aunts, uncles, um, people like that in your life, siblings. Um, and uh, rules communication and, and writing and ideas and education. So again, these are, maybe you could get some, remember with Mercury in the throne room, could be getting some dynamic insights and breakthroughs around um, those subjects, uh, maybe resources that would help you. Uh, Taurus and Taurus rising, this is gonna be in your second house. So that rules, um, 
you might be getting, uh, that's your money, those are the money houses. So there could be, uh, it's a new beginning for money, maybe debts or debts owed. Not debts, actually that's more of an eighth house. The second house is your personal finances and money and maybe information um, about money and finances, uh, your talents and skills, the things that are important to you. These are all second house concerns. And so that's where the eclipse would be bringing its magic, sowing its magic. Uh, for Gemini, this eclipse is going to be in your first house, which is your personality, your appearance, your physical body, the, the health of your body. There could be breakthroughs there, your self-image, the direction that you're moving in your life. Again, areas of ripe insight. Uh, for you guys that are Cancers or Cancer Risings, um, it's going to be in the 12th house. And so that um, happening could bring about, you know, you, the 12th house can be a place where we sabotage ourselves. So we might get, um, you Cancers or Cancer Risings could get some really cool breakthroughs around how, what is it that that mechanism where you sabotage yourself or you feel like you're like lost, you know, and, and shipwrecked is what I, my favorite term to describe the 12th house, right? But in, in recognizing where does that pattern occur so that we can become conscious and move beyond that. Uh, let's see, Leo or Leo risings. This will be in your 11th house, which rules friends, um, colleagues, one's peers, uh, collaborations and efforts with people in um, groups and group organizations. That's all very 11th house. It could also uh, be about uh, your support network and people, you know, of that, things of that nature, your hopes, wishes, dreams. It's all very 11th house. So that's the, that's the area of breakthrough. Uh, Virgo is the, or Virgo rising. This will be occurring in your 10th house. So that rules a one's career, one's reputation, um, maybe a new way of looking at your workplace or your career choices, or maybe your career changes. So mm, very ripe there. Um, Libra, this will be occurring in your ninth house and that rules um, the, uh, the sun rejoices there. It's all, it's the, the God house <laughs> and that rules, um, you know, morals, ethics, religion, wisdom, occult wisdom, spirituality, you know, higher, higher education, maybe a teacher or a spiritual teacher. Um, so again, lots of cool, um, insightful breakthroughs, um, maybe visions, prophetic visions, intuitive um, knowingness uh, regarding that and or the criminal justice system or there's just the justice system in general. So, uh, you know, look for that. A Scorpio, this is going to be incurring in your eighth house is uh, other people's money. Um, so it could be wills, inheritances, estates, trusts, things like that, uh, debts. It can be a spiritual or karmic debt, the eighth house. Um, the, the things that, that are um, perhaps uh, sorting out, um, you know, it, it, the eighth house is pretty heavy. You know, it's, it's, it's associated with death, death, sex, and taxes. <laughs> They're all the same, right? 
sex and money, um, but um, especially um, the the whole that whole scorpionic primal life force, the ability to confront our deepest fears and to reprogram ourselves, um, facing the loss but moving through it to the other side. So there could be some insights um, in and breakthroughs in that area. For Sag, seventh house relationships, uh, new attitudes, maybe um, about marriage or business partners, uh, the truth about that, um, and seeing seeing and taking on uh, new attitudes, new beliefs, new insights around that, um, people who we collaborate with on a one-to-one -one basis. Uh, the uh, Capricorn or Capricorn rising, this is going to be in your sixth house, which is rules of the workplace, uh, being, maybe being an employee or having employees. Um, it's also a, a house of um, sickness and ill health. Um, but uh, again, we might find some insights and some breakthroughs and breakthrough thinking that allow us to move and to see illness perhaps in a different way or a more empowering way or our work or our service. Um, the for you you Aquarians and or Aquarius risings this is going to be in your fifth house which is um, very much the house of love and creativity romance sexuality risk taking boldness courage creative passions creative projects um, it also rules fertility and pregnancy and kids and your kids or having kids who knows if you you might be some people that might not be good news, but you could have a surprise pregnancy. I don't know. <laughs> These are all very um, insights and breakthroughs and things of that nature um, that are the potential there. And the final one is Pisces. So good old Pisces. This eclipse will be happening in your fourth house. And that rules one's roots, one's family, uh, the family, home, genealogy. Um, we think about parents. So again, some maybe some breakthroughs there around um, our families and our family life and our home and our roots. Um, so um, yeah, so that's about it. Um, I think I've covered everything. I hope that you have found this information uh, useful. And um, as always, it is a joy. And I would say to, you know, in closing, remember that um, you don't want to be jumping. Lots of insights happen. You need time. I, I give it a couple, couple of weeks to, for all this to settle after the eclipse. So two weeks before the eclipse season, so it would have been early May to two weeks later, which would be the end of this month. Um, that's, a, that's a long time. You know, it's a two-month uh, period where it's very, very deep and rich and this whole big paradigm shift occurring. So give it time to settle down and um, before you go back to your normal routine. Mercury is going to be going, um, it will be retrograde through the summer solstice. So around the 21st, 22nd, it, it goes direct. So you definitely want to give that some time and get those prophetic intuitive insights percolating and work with those energies. Mercury, like I said, is the Lord of the Eclipse. So he still has got a lot to say on these cosmic realms. So definitely give, give yourself this time. Um, we're going to be talking. I'm going to have a Smyrna is coming back. Yay. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about Lilibet, Lilibet's chart and uh, the, all the cosmic connections that that little kid has. I think she's just definitely going to shake things up, but we're going to hear all about that from Smyrna. 
I know how much um, we just love her. I get so much lovely fan mail that I always forward to her. Uh, so um, anyway, there's that. And I'm also gonna be talking at some point, not that um, episode, but Mars is going into Leo after six weeks in Cancer. It's going into Leo right after the eclipse. I think it's like January, oh, sorry, January, June 12th. And so what that looks like and how we can best use those energies when Mars uh, transits through that bold, bold sign of Leo. So anyway, uh, that's all for now. And um, I hope that you um, have a wonderful rest of this. Um, enjoy this eclipse, be in prayer, uh, really use this time going within to really um, spend time on the inner, right? If the sun is being blocked by the moon, um, maybe we need to just close our eyes and, you know, a good, a good place is to withdraw and really uh, feel this for ourselves. This only happens twice a year, so we want to really treat it with a lot of respect. Anyway, thank you all for listening, and um, we will see you very soon. Many, many blessings to all of you in this eclipse season. May you be blessed and uplifted, and may you, may all these outrageous breakthroughs uh, rain down upon you. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah like a good karma piñata, as my, my teacher Renee used to say, you know, do the work of an eclipse beforehand and, um, and during, during the season, you know, be open to those breakthroughs, be, um, allow yourself to dance in the unknown because, you know, the universe has, uh, has interesting ways of bringing us news and, and changes, but just know that, uh, yeah, the universe always has our back, no matter how weird or scary or challenging um, it, can, it can look. So just a little reminder. Anyway, that's all for now. This has been episode 108 of Star Sound Speaks. And if you need any kind of um, assistance with sorting out this eclipse information or just anything in general, I'm always available. You know, hit me up, uh, Irliana at starsoundastrology.com. My website, starsoundastrology.com. You can check that out too. And always in service. So um, yeah. We can um, assist you any any which way you need. So thank you so much for listening. Um, this is Irliana Samsara, Star Sound Speaks. See you all next time. Bye-bye.